This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And away we go with the Bob Olin Show on the 28th of November. And, uh, Bob, I know you don't like this cold weather before we get a little coating of snow to help insulate things, but didn't happen. We got below zero this morning and hardly a trace of snow on the ground. Isn't that amazing? You're absolutely right. Uh, we're driving frost in the ground. Uh, that, mm. that would not be my favorite, favorite uh, scenario. I'd rather have about three or four inches of snow on top, but it is what it is, and we'll have yeah. to take it if... Uh, Hopefully people got a little mulch on top of their spring flowering bulbs, on top of their garlic and so forth. I tried to do that myself, hustled around, and that thing's in the ground and got a little mulch on top to get us through this cold period. It was one of my one of my concerns. But once again, uh, you know, we can't really dictate that weather. I was really quite surprised. You said we got below zero this morning, huh? Yeah, not much. One degree below zero officially at the airport, and that's, uh, well, it's the coldest it's been so far this season. Yeah, it's been really remarkable. We were so warm for quite a while there in November, and then all of a sudden uh, we get this cold spell. <laughs> well, the good news uh, is it's going to warm up to about normal again tomorrow through the rest of the week, so it'll be about 30s for the highs. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, if I had my choice, I'd like to keep a little bit of that snow. They talked about another little blanket. <laughs> Even an inch is, is yeah. valuable to us. I'd like to keep a little bit of that on if we can. The issue is you drive store, you drive frost into the ground, and then we come to spring, and our spring melt. Of course, we get a lot of runoff. We don't get that down in the soil. We would almost expect this. The last two or three years, we've had a blanket of snow before we got the cold weather, and we really had a tremendous amount of moisture that was able to accumulate in the soil. And even though things got dry a little bit later, we were able to get off to a pretty good start with the growing season. So. So much of what we do, Dave, is, is totally dependent upon uh, weather and the weather conditions, and I think that uh, we can expect this variability, and that's that's one thing, uh, a lot of talk about climate change, and, you know, we haven't experienced intensely warm temperatures like they certainly did in the uh, southwest part of the United States this last summer. Uh, we were just about average. Month of July, average daytime temperature is 74, 75.4 degrees, a little below average, so we haven't experienced the intense uh, heat that other places have, but we've experienced this uh, variability where you're going to be dry for long periods of time, and then suddenly you're going to have more moisture. We actually had above-average uh, precipitation during last year's uh, uh, intended uh, – I wouldn't necessarily call it the growing season. Most of the growing season goes from frost to frost, which is June through mid-September, in this case mid-October, but we got a lot of rain just late in the season. Mm-hmm which remarkably, um, you know, it uh, plumped up out of the potato crop. And if the plants were still alive, they picked up a lot of that late season moisture. So I think that variability is going to be the name of the game. And uh, we're just going to have to adjust to that. And there are many things we can do in terms of uh, supplementing moisture with irrigation and and uh, mulch and getting more organic material down in the soil. And we, there are many, many things we can do to help kind of uh, moderate uh, some of these extreme weather conditions. But below zero this this early in November is a little bit of a surprise to us, but nonetheless, uh, it is what it is, and we'll deal with it, Dave. All right. We got uh, Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror now, and that means uh, we got to start thinking Christmas. Not only Christmas decorations and trees, but Christmas gift-giving, I suppose, too. Yeah, you know, that's part of the... uh, part of the holiday mm-hmm. i really enjoy like so many folks enjoy thanksgiving because it's uh, about food and family those two right. things and don't have to worry so much about uh, the gifting items but 
you know, maybe to help people out a little bit, uh, gardening is it is the number one hobby in in the United States. It's a it's a great big deal. Lots of people participating in lots of different ways, even if it's just a container or a hanging basket uh, on your balcony or on your uh, uh, your back porch. But lots of participants. Uh, you know, I have some favorite gift ideas if I can share a few of them with yeah. you. I was thinking about this a little bit. And, uh, what is it that I use so consistently uh, maybe I can start with hardware I guess in this day and age we, we use some of those computer metaphors hardware and software so the <laughs> hardware would be the <laughs> would certainly be the tools that you're going to use yeah and I think yeah I think that if you you know you don't have to spend outrageous amounts of money on tools but if you buy quality tools uh, they're very very useful I will start with uh, probably what I use the most and it's uh, what I call a Warren hole that's Warren, as in, I believe, the old former Supreme uh, Court Justice, yeah. Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N. Kind of a triangular hole. Um, and I'll use uh, I'll use a name brand here. Christman makes one that's just mm-hmm. very, very durable. You can get it at various places at retail outlets. And uh, it's, uh, it's very sturdy, and I uh, use that to constantly. It's got a nice blade on it, so you can do shallow cultivation, knocking out some of the... Uh, the very early germinating uh, annual weeds that causes so much problems. You can just scrape the soil surface with it. You can use it to uh, for transplanting, digging your holes for transplanting. And I, I've actually uh, worn out a couple of those in my <laughs> lifetime here, and I just buy buy another and uh, just use it uh, continually. So a worn hole, quality made. Uh, I don't think it pays to. You know, shop a little bit for quality. I don't think it really pays for a gift to, to give anything that's subpar. A good quality worn hole is going to cost you $35 or so, but it's uh, well worth the investment there. Do you need two? The triangular ones, do you need the, the squared off ones too, or can the triangular do all the stuff you need to do with a hole? Here's the interesting thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Everybody's perhaps going to have a favorite because ah. we've got uh, these uh, certainly squared off hose. I find them real useful. You can use them to uh, to scrape the soil surface, but mm-hmm. if you want to cut a furrow or if you want to if you want to um, kill your potatoes, uh, I just like this larger bladed okay. worn hole because it's got a sharp tip. I can cut a furrow whether it's a quarter of an inch or whether it's two inches deep, or if I'm going to uh, dig a transplant hole or transplant hole that's two and a half, three inches deep, I can use it for that. So it, for me, it's a much more versatile tool. There are what we call loop um, uh, holes where you've got kind of a blade uh, that goes on the soil surface uh, for knocking down, uh, again, what we call the, uh, the white-rooted annual weeds. This is going to be what causes so much of your problems with your annual weed seed that germinates. Those loopholes can be hose can be useful there, but you can do the same thing with a with a Warren hoe, and they're they're quite readily available. And uh, as I say, uh, buy something a higher quality, expect to spend thirty five, maybe forty dollars with the tax and all on something like that. So uh, again, uh, maybe I can switch or stay in the garden. There, there's there's a product came out of Japan called a Hori Hori knife that is in the range of twenty to twenty five dollars, and it's. Uh, Typically stainless steel and uh, very, very useful in terms of, uh, you know, you've got a blade edge so you can harvest your cauliflower and your broccoli with it if you like. You can also use it uh, just in the soil to dig transplant holes and, and uh, light, light cultivation, light 
pruning and so forth, I'll use a hori hori knife for lots of purposes. And I think you can actually came out of Japan. That's hence that name, H O R I H O R I. And I think you can actually on the internet now you can buy those right from the original Japanese uh, manufacturers and wow. not too inexpensively. So. There are, uh, there are a lot of options there, and they're available uh, any number of places. So, Warren Ho, Hori Hori Knife, and then when I switch to pruners, a hand pruner, there's a name brand out there called Felco, F-E-L-C-O, it's a Swiss, uh, Swiss hand pruning knife, and they have a whole line of product, but uh, very, very useful, high quality. They're gonna be in the $50, $60 range with a, a leather holster for that, and I, I use that just wow. All the all the time, and it's uh, it, you know these are kind of lifetime gifts for good gardeners, and and gardeners will be aware of of the quality that's involved here. And again, um, I can't necessarily we like to point to local dealers. I don't know that we've got those available locally, but it's good what we call bypass pruners. So if you're going to buy a pruner, you want something that slices like a scissor rather than an anvil pruner, which tends to crush materials so you want a good bypass pruner and again you have a little time before Christmas now so you can get these mail order if you need to shop uh, off the internet but Delco has a nice um, you know been known for years one of the nice things is I've used them so much the blades get dull the blades are are replaceable so they're real real useful uh, that way and that's a gift that would be a a nice lifetime gift for people as well. Kneeling pads, um, (laughs) you know, buckets, uh, buckets and other things like that I think are are very useful and then you can think a little bit about uh, maybe of some of the clothing items. Uh, Gloves, seems like I always need gloves and uh, for different purposes they're inexpensive but sometimes you don't think about them. Uh, You can get rubberized gloves. uh, Coming into the fall here when it was a little wet and we were picking potatoes and other things went through several of those and, uh, you know, not, not expensive there, 3 to $5, something like that. But it's something that uh, a gardener will appreciate, the leather gloves, of course, that you can use and just kind of kind of keep your, your hands in a little better shape. And when it gets cold and wet, the rubberized gloves are really kind of nice as well. I think a little bit of, you know, a good sun hat, a little bit of sun protection. We want to be a little conscious. Uh, Gardening is a very, very healthy hobby to have, both the physical activity, uh, you know, just the enjoyment that comes from it, the relaxation, as well as the, the quality food that you can produce. So you you want it, it is a good, healthy hobby, and you certainly want to minimize uh, that sun exposure. We're all well aware of some of the risks that goes with that. So uh, mm-hmm. a good um, a good sun hat, there are good gardening shirts out there that, that block the sun that aren't particularly heavy as well so you've got uh, you can wear long sleeves to block the sun and if you buy an actual gardening uh, shirt as such with long sleeves it's not going to be hot when we get the, the warmer weather so these are these are all things that uh, gardeners know they're going to use and I mentioned you know there are these bucket buddies out there and other things for carrying your tools and carrying product around they're things that you might not necessarily uh, buy for yourself watering cans and other things like that that uh can be extremely useful and kind of fun. So, those are some of the um, some of the hardware items that you can think about. And well, you've got, you've got a got spade a and a now. rake. I imagine are pretty important too. If you don't have a good one, we'll uh, be back more of the Bob Olin show as soon as, as, soon as we can recontact with uh, Bob Olin. Nine twenty eight now at KDAL. All right, I think we have reconnected with Bob Olin. Bobby, there. 
Yeah. All right. I am with you. Yes, I have no idea. They just, uh, someone on uh, those cell networks dropped a call on me. But anyway. <laughs> we were talking uh, hardware on. gifts for gardeners. Hardware gifts for gardeners. I mentioned just a little bit about some of the clothing items, gloves and shirts, mm -hmm. that uh, where you can be a little conscious of the sun, you know, the real healthy uh, hobby, of course, and we want to minimize some of that uh, very intense sun exposure. It's kind of interesting because uh, more and more I'm aware of this far north, and we are very far north, of course, for the contiguous United States here, nothing compared to Canada, but nonetheless, we can get some pretty intense sun shorter periods of time, but we've got to be a little bit uh, conscious of that. So good sun hats. There are these good sun-blocking fabrics out there for for clothing as well. So there are, there are any number of things that can be extremely useful as gifts and will be certainly appreciated by the gardeners. Now, you know, uh, uh, there's so much uh, purchasing of gift cards and other things. That's always an option. But uh, if you were to take a look at... Uh, Certainly, we've got good sponsors that keep us on the on the air, Dave. Here, right. and uh, one is Dan's Feed Bin, and I'm sure they've got gift certificates. Sure, um, uh, Western Bacon Superior Sanitary District. They got a great product called Garden Green, and I know they have certificates for that. So you can uh, pick up uh, a good uh, twenty or thirty pound bag of their composted product. And uh, for those that are environmentally conscious, the nice thing is that's all of the yard waste that's brought down there and then composted very efficiently and repackaged and very useful for our soils, particularly if you don't have, and we never quite have enough compost, even if we're running pretty substantial compost piles ourselves. Uh, so that's also something that's very useful that can go in a, a gift card. You know, it is... It is kind of the giving season. I think about some of that with the Christmas cards, people that have, uh, you know, really done uh, done you a favor, even if it's uh, just friendship and mm -hmm. a good conversations over the course of the year. Uh, a gift card, uh, even if it's a nominal amount, uh, along with your Christmas card for gardeners would be uh, would be really helpful there. So it's handy, too, if you're going to give somebody a hole for Christmas. It's hard to wrap it and, and keep it a secret as to what it is. <laughs> so maybe a gift card would be better than the actual. Yeah, hose and rakes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're a little harder to, uh, harder to move around. Yeah, but I, I think suppose. that sometimes uh, people really do appreciate uh, <laughs> getting something in, right. in person like that. But, you know, along that same line... Um, you know, if we take a little look at, uh, we'll be thinking a little bit about next year already. It's kind of funny. It's uh, the month of November coming into December, and it's a little bit downtime. Thank heavens for the gardeners that are, have really had a very busy season with uh, producing the product, maybe preserving and canning the product, so you can take it a little easier. But it does give you a chance just to reflect and to take a look at some of the catalogs. I'm very surprised. I've got a desk full of uh, catalogs there. <laughs> coming in earlier and earlier yeah. but um, you know that's something that uh, oftentimes and again if you it may sound and this is just my own thought process but uh, sometimes you want a catalog order for particular varieties and you don't have the catalog and then if you call uh, or try to make an internet connection with uh, uh, a seed vendor it takes a while to get a catalog so if you were to put together a nice collection in a box of uh, 2024 catalogs and I'll mention that uh we do have, with the extension service, I put together a recommended vegetable variety list, multiple sheets of the, most of the vegetables that we're growing in this area. And uh, that is available, I believe, including shipping for $5. 
And uh, in there, there's a list, a very extensive and exhaustive list of suppliers, both locally as well as uh, uh, mail-order catalogs. And if you were to get one of those and just contact them, the numbers, phone numbers are there, Internet uh, websites are there, and get catalogs sent to you and put together a nice collection of catalogs, maybe along with that uh, recommended variety list, then they'd have everything at their disposal. And with all suggested variety lists, of course, uh, you're the ultimate arbiter. You're going to determine what you want to grow and what works best for you in your garden and what you're happy with. But it gives you just a little framework of varieties that uh, we know will consistently perform well for us uh, year in and year out. But there would be something that's relatively inexpensive, and the effort in the, that you put into it is reflected in the or your, all your effort is reflected in your willingness to give something to someone it doesn't necessarily cost a lot. Catalogs are going to be free. you got a little bit in the recommended variety list. <laughs> you could take it another step per, forward, uh, and you could actually buy in some of the seed for people yeah. as well. So uh, there's any number of things you can do at any any number of price points. You now, know, Dave, seeds that you buy work. now, Bob, are they going to be okay in the spring? I mean, what's the, the shelf life of seeds? Yeah, you're right, depending on how they're stored. Now, these yeah. should be seed-packed for 2024. Okay. Uh, you really, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of fresh seed. Now, you can you can save seed, and uh, if you're careful how you handle it, uh, it will remain viable and depends on the seed, but certainly two, three years uh, is, is not unusual, but you have okay. to look careful how it's stored. So if I'm buying new seed, I... I really want to have seed that's been packed and been tested for 2024. So if you got a catalog in your midst, uh, retail catalog or commercial catalog, you can assume that that will be seed that's been right. it's been tested. Uh, we get a germ percentage on it, and uh, we've got seed laws that cover that. But they will uh, they'll tell you when it was packed. So very good point there, Dave. Let's so let's buy seed that's fresh and viable and uh, packed for the 2024. Uh, growing season. But again, uh, that may seem a little early, but uh, for a gardener, some of these things are a little bit unique and inexpensive and something that you can uh, you can do that you know is going to be used and appreciated, Dave. All right. Well, Dick, and, well go ahead. No, I was just going to start talking a little bit about the gift certificates. I don't yeah. mean to be, uh, I don't mean to slight any of our local greenhouses as well. Mm-hmm. I think they all have that as an option. And uh, you know, you for your transplants in the spring, that's just really nice to get a gift certificate for one of our many uh, smaller, uh, I'll call them on pog, local greenhouses that do such a good job in terms of uh, supplying a lot of the transplants and locally produced product for us. So there's a lot of, lot of certainly a lot of gift giving options that are out there at all price points, and they will be appreciated by all the gardeners in your uh, in your life. All right, we got the Christmas tree uh, lots springing up all over the place. We'll talk Christmas trees and how to keep them fresh and lasting through the holidays. That'll be coming up next as the Bob Olin Show continues here on KDAL. All right, Bob, time to pick out a Christmas tree. What's the best tree to get that'll hold its needles until the end of the holidays? Let's talk a little bit about some of the local Christmas trees that are available. I bet there's a bunch of them uh, opening up right about now. This is the time, yeah, and people, are, you know, are getting a little snow on the ground. They're getting into the spirit, and I will mention uh, a little program down at the Duluth Farmer's Market. Uh, this is uh, one of our local families, the Hofbauer family, that's uh, produced the trees there, and they've got a program called Trees for Troops, 
And this is something that's nationwide for the Christmas tree growers uh, throughout the country. And they've got a good uh, good support for FedEx. Uh, what they're going to do is uh, you have the opportunity to buy a, buy a tree uh, for a troop, and uh, FedEx is going to deliver these trees. You make the purchase. You buy one for yourself, and the Hofbauer family will give you a wreath as well for your contribution. They're going to make a contribution. And um, if you do that through this week and weekend, uh, the, tri- the trees are going to be shipped out uh, via FedEx. FedEx is uh, supplying all the shipping for this, and they're going to go to military bases, and they've got a priority system there where they'll go to the families of, uh, first off, that uh, veterans that are currently deployed overseas, so one of the family members will not be there at Christmas, and uh, they'll have a Christmas tree and then uh, if all of those needs are taken, depending on the number of trees, it will go to other other families on the bases throughout the United States. So Trees for Troop, it's a nice program if you really want to contribute to those who are currently serving and may not have a family home for Christmas. So give you the hours there down at the Duluth Farmers Market uh, during the on the weekends. It's 9 to 6. And during the weekdays, 11 to 7. So 9 to 6 on wow. Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 7 during the week and so they're open seven days a week in that time interval you might think about trees for troops and making a a contribution that will be meaningful for families that are serving for us and you can pick up a tree for yourself too at the same time right that's right and these are all cultured trees you know these are trees that have been pruned planted pruned Mm -hmm. pruned uh, for uh you know eight to ten to twelve years so there's quite a bit of time that goes into remaking a, a beautifully cultured and pruned tree so you get some beautiful locally produced product, and you can help uh, out a veteran's family as well during the holiday season, Dave. All right. Now, there's so many trees to choose from, Bob. How do we know what uh, what's the best kind of tree for, for me? <laughs> well, I, from my perspective, they're all beautiful, of course. Yeah. I have this little problem with uh, green green <laughs> plants and green trees. They, uh, they're all beautiful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are different trends, and mm-hmm. the, the big trend right now is short-needle trees. So that's going to be firs and typically in this area it'll be their balsam fir typically or one of the crosses of balsam and uh they're sh- they're uh, you know they're native or at least a part of parentage is, is native and then spruce so it's either going to be one or the other of the short needle varieties and then uh, they are currently the most popular uh, trees out there people will say on some of the short needle varieties the the rub that they have is that they drop the needles too soon well we're going to go over just how you keep that tree fresh because I've, <laughs> right. I've had real good luck uh, keeping the needles on these short needle varieties. But next step up, white pine, where where we've got intermediate length needles, and uh, these are needles that are going to be about uh, two to three inches in length. And then our long needle varieties, which were all arranged a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> lack popularity right now, but you could still get some red pine, nor pine, and, and some of the other long needle varieties. So once again, these are all native to this area, and these uh, varieties are, and we're very fortunate because we've got a nice collection of uh, of trees that grow well in this area. But let's talk about keeping them fresh if we can, Dave. You betcha. First off, uh, you, I know you've in the past suggested uh, recutting them at the bottom, right? Yeah, depending on when they were cut. Uh, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know, they're cut out in the field, and the nice thing about buying locally is they are going to refresh a lot of the... Uh, and dare I say it, some of the bigger uh, merchandisers, bigger sure. commercial outfits will be 
will be harvesting trees in uh, September and October, and they're not very fresh. And oftentimes they come with a, you know, they're spray painted and uh, they're, they keep them nice and lush and green. So you want to avoid that. You want to start with a fresh tree wherever you uh, source it. And uh, oftentimes, you know, they're, they're stand, stood up against the butt of the tree in a stand somewhere. So you tend to crush uh, those, that vascular tissue at the bottom. So what you want to do is you want the tree to pick up as much moisture as you possibly can. So start making a cut across the bottom. And I don't think it matters too much if you make a diagonal cut or if you make just a flush cut across the bottom. The critical thing is uh, make a cut so it's nice and fresh. And what I like to do, I I like to stand them in a five-gallon pail of water and just let them suck up as much moisture as they can. Now, of course, you can't do that out when it's uh, zero or five (laughs) above. You've got to have some place where that that water is liquid got to be above freezing and just let that tree pick up as much moisture as you can even if it's a you know 24 hours just let it pick up all the moisture and then you can put it in a you know christmas tree stand where you've got a pool of a reservoir of moisture there don't let that uh that uh, christmas tree stand go dry because when Ah. if it goes dry and if uh the butt of that tree dries down then the happens to you you bring it into you know our houses are very dry Dave Mm -hmm. so you bring it in this uh, dry environment it'll tend to dry a tree down pretty quickly they're going to transpire in other words they're moving moisture from the base of the stand and that pool of water up through the vascular tissue into the needles and then of course in a dry environment they're being evaporated so if you go a week or two and all of a sudden you realize there's no water down in that stand if you can, now I know a decorated tree, this is going to be difficult, yeah. but uh, I'd make another fresh cut across the bottom and let's get the water flowing again. So I really think fresh tree, plenty of moisture before you bring it in the house so that that, uh, that moisture being pulled up. Remember, when they're cutting the field, we have just this opposite process that's going on naturally. That tree is pumping a lot of water down into the into the ground, so you're going to reverse the process almost as if it was springtime. You're going to uh, first cut, get plenty of moisture, pull the water up, and uh, you know that will be fine. I had tremendous luck, very little needle drop with these uh, short season uh, species and balsams. And this, this Bob, you're sounding like Darth Vader all of a sudden. I can't quite understand it with the. Uh... <laughs> the cell phone receptor. We're going to take another break, and we'll try to get back to you in just a bit. Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And we are back more of the Bob Olin Show. Good morning, Bob. You're in the middle of talking about keeping those needles on the trees. Yeah, we want to, we want to do that. And, uh, you know, I've got a great affection for uh, natural Christmas trees. It's one of my favorite, quote-unquote, house plants, and I, <laughs> I like to keep it around as long as I possibly can. Uh, even into the month of January, I'm a little different than everyone else, I guess. But uh, that's kind of that bridge period until we can uh, the days start getting a little longer for us, and uh, and we can think about spring coming ahead. So uh, once again, uh, plenty of moisture. Forget about the uh, all the additives. There's always <laughs> products that are being sold to keep your tree fresh. There's the homemade remedies, and we've heard oh, everything yeah. from aspirin to bubble up to. Uh, uh, carol syrup, these are all things. That, Holy <laughs> cow. All kinds of things that uh, you can read uh, various places that people uh, 
uh, think keeps that tree fresh. But there's been research done. Uh, Ohio State is where they did. They got a lot of uh, Christmas tree production in that state, and uh, they did some work and looked at a lot of the additives. And just temperate or um, uh, room temperature water is probably uh, the best thing and all that you need there. So, so you don't need to fill it up with beer or anything? Nothing like that at all. all. Right. There's, there are other better uses, I think, for that <laughs> particular. <laughs> well, at least you'd have a happy tree. You, you would. Yeah. You could, for sure. Yeah, oh, okay. but actually, they're, they're easy to satisfy. <laughs> all I need is just a little uh, little straight water there. All right, good. But, uh, you know, maybe we could switch back again, uh, talking a little bit about some of the nice options for gardeners. Okay. And, uh, we'll look a little bit. I mentioned the fact that uh, there are any number of uh, books that are out there and available. You mentioned that uh, packing a, haker, a raker hole might be a little bit difficult to fit under the tree, Dave. But yeah. Certainly, there are a number of items. I mentioned um, there are things that we've produced at the St. Louis County Extension Office over the years that I think are useful for people. Um, we've got a, a cookbook slash resource book. We just finished our Salsa Fest, which was a lot of fun. Got a tremendous number of recipes there. And those are available to the public. They've been print, printed and bound. I think they're about $15, which includes the shipping. And then uh, we've also got some of our resource books from our gardening extravaganzas that include a variety lists of all types as well as a tremendous amount of resource. They're beautifully uh, published and uh, full color, and those are also available in that $15 to $18 range for people. And uh, so those are a couple items. There are so many uh, gardening books out there as well that I think that uh, people would find uh, very, very useful and uh, shop around a little bit, try to find uh, uh, books that, of course, are relevant to uh, uh, Minnesota as well as Wisconsin because gardening is totally different from the northern part of the country to the southern part. So, you know, you have lots of uh, lots of options out there, and we've got lots of gardeners, and I think it is that time when you can find some inexpensive things. We mentioned some of the gift certificates from any number of sources, and that in a Christmas card for someone I think would be uh, really very, very appreciated, the fact you're, you're thinking of them at this particular time. So there are some ideas for you, Dave. Yep, make sure that you uh, buy things that will grow up here. You don't want to buy a palm tree or something because it's not going to last. Well, that's right, and that's why, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about shopping locally, but uh, yeah. there's a tremendous amount of difference. I, uh, I've done varietal trials and the same uh, varietal trials in Ely and down here in Duluth at Hinkley, same same variety packs, and down in the Twin Cities on the farm campus there, and uh, the the way they perform is quite different. It it really surprised me because this this difference in latitude, the sun exposure, the day length uh, makes a huge difference. So select varieties that uh, really have performed well for you, and uh, that's one of the real keys to gardening success is, uh, is selecting varieties that are appropriate for your zone in, in your area there, Dave. Do they tell you on the package what zone it's for and, and what zone we're in, I guess, is, is key, too? Uh, and I think it's different between inland and right by the lake, right? It really is. Now, when we talk about the, and these are the U.S. Department of Agriculture plant hardiness zones. Okay. So, we're really not talking about annual seeds that you're going to put in the ground, put the seed in the ground, you're going to growing out. Right. We're, going to, we're talking about uh, woody, perennial material. Yeah. So these are trees and shrubs and getting them through the winter. So the hardiness for trees and shrubs. So if you're going to buy an apple tree, and that would be a very nice 
gift as well, but mm-hmm. there you're going to have a, cer- a certificate uh, from a local uh, nursery. There, of course, uh, you got to get them through the winter, particularly these tough winters. Now, I can mention, you know, the Minnesota variety that has gone throughout the world, Honey Crisp, and it's uh, not only a great variety in and of itself, but it's also the parent of so many follow-up varieties from Zestar to the new one now called Kudo, which is going to be real interesting as well. But um, that one was never released as a Zone uh, 3 variety. Now, in in on the western side of the lake here, northwestern side, it's quite a bit cool, colder in those winter um, winter months than it is uh, down on the eastern side of, of Lake Superior. So we're really, we were zone two, three, and four right along the lake, and uh, we now have lost zone two as things warmed up, but we are definitely zone three for most people that are away from the lake. Honeycrisp was never really introduced as a zone three variety. Uh, they do temperature studies when they, they put the zone designations on there, refrigerated studies and freezer studies, and it was introduced as a zone four variety. It grew, grew very well during warm winters uh, in the northern part, the zone three uh, northern part of St. Louis County, and then we get an open winter, and that's what we might be happening right now, where we get it very cold without a lot of snow, and uh, we lost a lot of Honeycrisp at that particular time in Zone 3. Now they got protection from the lake in Zone 4. So this is where I think talking with uh, a local producer, getting variety lists, and we have a fruit variety list that's also available that includes these trees. I think uh, being a little careful about your variety selection because something like an apple tree is something you want to live for 40 or 50 years, not just until we get an open winter. So you might want to Harrelson, uh, your favorite there is mm-hmm. one of those real hardy, durable. You're you're never going to go wrong just selecting a Harrelson or Harold Red because we know they're hardy well up into Ontario and into Canada. So wherever you are in the area, there's a variety that's going to definitely be hardy for you, Dave. Besides apples, what other uh, fruit-bearing trees can we do up here? I know cherry trees, I think, are making a, a little comeback up yes. in this neck of the woods. Yes, they are, and we're all looking for the Bing sweet cherry, mm. but we don't have that quite yet. But we've okay. got a number of other uh, cherry varieties that are are very um, hardy in this area. Right. Uh, North Star, Meteor, Bali, uh, we've got a number of uh, cherries that are going to work for you. Pears, I think pears are under underutilized. The summer is really? a great pear, and uh, people don't even think about that. But that, that again, a certificate for a pear tree or something would be... Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very uh, appreciated by by folks as well. Blueberry plants, uh, you know, we've uh, we had such a good blueberry year because of the winter snow last year. So uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of other woodies and as well as all of the ornamental shrubs that can be useful as well. So there's a lot out there, Dave. And yep. a, but I, hardiness is going to be uh, of your paramount concern uh, when you select these varieties. Uh, particularly as a gift. You want them to be a gift that gives for the next 20, 30, 40 years, depending on the uh, the tree or the shrub that you're buying. Very neat idea. Bob, uh, we'll do this again next week. I imagine we got to talk poinsettias pretty soon because they're out and about too, I notice. That's a traditional holiday-type flower to put in your home. Absolutely. We'll talk poinsettias. We'll talk about Christmas mm-hmm. cacti. We'll talk ah. about all of those uh, indoor holiday plants, but I think we got to save that for another program, Dave. You bet. That'll be coming up probably next week. Bob, as always, thank you so much. We'll catch you next Tuesday. Thank you, Dave. It is the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. <laughs>